The reason I wanted to sing that song today because I thought it was a good introduction to this sermon because my sermon is entitled, Peace in the Storm. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. Storms of life, they're here, all right? They're, you know, they're here, they're coming. Some of them are already here right now. Some of you are right now facing storms in your lifetime. If you're not facing them yet, you'll be facing them tomorrow, I promise you. Some people foolishly believe that when you accept Jesus and become a Christian that you have no storms. Some people even preach it, and that's wrong. I want to read John 16, 33. It says, this is the words of Jesus. If you have the red letter edition, it's in red. It says, Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Praise God. See, Jesus said the tribulations are coming, but don't worry about it because I've overcame this world. So through him, we can overcome the tribulations. Amen? See, we face different kind of storms in life. We face death. Last July, we buried my mother. Sweet, sweet, sweet lady. And I know I'm supposed to say that about my mother, but she really was a sweet, sweet lady. And although we were saddened by her passing, and we grieved a little, we didn't fall to pieces. Because when I could go visit my mama and ask her how she's doing, she'd say, son, I'm ready for the Lord to take me home. Just whenever he's ready, I'm ready. And she meant it too. So we didn't fall apart when that storm hit. We face sickness sometimes. We face disease. There's, there's people among us, including myself. You'll have to forgive me when I sit for a little bit because I get weak. We face disease. Sometimes these diseases are incurable. And we have to live with them until either doctors come up with something, God heals us or takes us, whatever his will is. Amen? Sometimes we face storms of life called financial difficulties. You ever been there? Come on. Sometimes we face storms that are called heartache. Someone breaks your heart. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a, your, your, your child. Maybe it's a good friend. Who knows? We have relationship problems. There are storms of life. And this is just a few. I mean, I could, I could sit up here for quite a while and just start naming off the storms of the life that we go through, but I think you're getting them. These are things that are common to man. You know, I, I tell people all the time, especially when I officiate a funeral, we live in a world that is cursed. It's cursed by sin. And because of that, we face these storms of life. They're common to all of us. Don't feel like, poor me, I got the... No, we all face these common problems. Every one of us face them. And the key to it is how do we react to it when the storm hits? What do we do when the storm hits? Unfortunately, sometimes when the storm hits, we start crying and whining. Sometimes, and I've seen this, and, well, I'm just going to say it anyway. Sometimes we get on Facebook... And we let the whole Facebook nation know what our storms are, right? 
as if that's going to do any good. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get on anywhere and ask for prayer. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm talking about when you get up, you have a storm, you're facing the storms in life, you feel like you're the only one facing them, and that, that's real common too. And you start whining, you start crying, and you start you know, going on, oh, poor me, poor me, somebody come rescue me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody has come to rescue. His name is Jesus, all right? But we're looking for, why are we looking for somebody else? Come and rescue, and we got Jesus. So the key is how do we react? Sometimes we get scared. And I'm going to tell you something. If you got Jesus in your life and you trust God, I don't care what you're facing. You shouldn't get scared. And I know, I know some of you are thinking, "Oh, buddy, how can you say that?" You shouldn't get scared. You shouldn't get afraid. You shouldn't get insecure. You shouldn't get to a place where you don't know where to turn. You should always know that you turn to Jesus. Always, no matter what you're facing. Now, I want to show you something, how people react. I want to show you through Scripture here. Glasses on, see if they can help me read. Now, this is the, the disciples of Jesus, all right? <laughs> you say, oh, no. Well, guess what? You're disciples of Jesus, too. So before you get all judgmental now and say, oh, no, <laughs> You're you are, too. I'm reading out of Mark, fourth chapter, verses 35 through 40. It says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto him, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, he is Jesus, all right? He's asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it? You have no faith. Oh, come on. How is it, he said. First of all, he said, why are you so fearful? And then he said, why have you no faith? Jesus wasn't concerned about the storm. He was there. What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. The scripture tells us he was laying down on a pillow, and he was asleep through the storm. They wake him up. They're scared. They're afraid. Help us, help us, help us. You know, at least they had the good sense to do the right thing, right? Call out to Jesus, amen? <laughs> you know, when you get in that situation, call out to Jesus. He's there for you. You got to remember, and when you're in your storm, he, you're not by yourself. You may feel like you're by yourself. You may think, oh, no, I'm, all, I'm in this thing all alone. No, you're not. Right in the middle of all that is Jesus, just like he was right here. Right in the middle of all that was Jesus. They woke him up and said, don't you care? <laughs> He said, why are you afraid? Why don't you have faith? What's wrong with your faith? Ask yourself that question. I'm not going to ask you that question because I'm not Jesus, all right? But you can ask yourself that question. Why are you fearful when you face the storms of life? You got no trust in God? You think Jesus has forsaken you? Jesus hadn't forsaken you. He said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. Think about that. Even until the end, my, he's going to be with us no matter what. 
And as I prepared this sermon, I've been studying this sermon for, I don't know, months, I guess, to be honest with you. I, I, I love to have that much time to study a sermon. And it just keeps coming back when Jesus said to him, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Why are you afraid? Why are you scared? I know some of you are thinking, oh, but brother, buddy, you just don't know. Well, I've got a little news flash for you today. I do know. Because I said earlier, the things we go through are all common. We go through the same kind of things. And some of you are thinking, well, yeah, but you don't, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't experience the things I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing a lot of things. Most of you know I'm in kidney failure. I go to dialysis three times a week. I'm not going to sit up here and start whining now. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just using this. <laughs> and I've got some other health problems. And because of those other health problems, I am ineligible for a kidney transplant. It won't give me one. You know what I say to that? I say, praise God. I don't want one anyway. I want God to heal me. I'm, I'm being as serious as I can be. I, I don't want a kidney transplant. I want God to heal me. My trust is in God. You can ask my wife. I don't sit around and cry and whine about my physical condition and the disease that I have in my body. I don't cry about it. I don't whine about it. I won't get, sit down next to you and start telling you a 10-minute story about it. It's because my trust is in God. Because it, here's the deal. I believe God's going to heal me when he gets ready to because everything is in his timing and in his will. And I trust God's will, whatever it may be. So you've got to get to a place. If you're going to have peace, in this world, and if you're going to have peace in the storms that come your way, you're going to have to trust God no matter what the outcome is. See, God may have a different outcome that you didn't, you didn't think about. He may have a different purpose. See, I understand that God has a purpose. And believe it or not, me having kidney failure fits in God's purpose somewhere. I don't know where and I don't know how. I don't worry about it because God's purpose is greater than my purpose. God's will is greater than my will. So I simply trust God. I don't worry about these things. Why worry about them? You can't do anything about them anyway. <laughs> I can't reach inside my body, take my kidneys out and heal them, take them back in. All right? I can't do nothing about that. You can't do nothing about the things that you can't control. Storms of life are going to come against you, and some of them are going to be things that you can't do nothing about. So if you can't do nothing about them, instead of whining and crying and losing faith, why don't you call out to Jesus and why don't you just trust his will, whatever it may be? Let me tell you something. If God's will is to take me home, I'll take it. I'll take it. Pastor Avery said that's the divine healing. He says that's the, that's the, how do you say that, Pastor? Oh, there you go. That's what I was looking for. The ultimate healing. If that's God's will for my life, like my mama said, I'm ready. I'm ready. How can you not be ready to go and spend eternity with Jesus? How can you not be ready to go and see the loved ones that has went before you and reunite with them? You know, I sing a song sometime. It's just a fun song to song, uh, sing. It's Elvis Presley does it. It's a swing low, sweet chariot. Elvis Presley does it different than anybody else. And one of the verses says, I have a father in the promised land. And I'm not going to stop until I shake his hand. I almost cry every time I see that because see, I got a father. I got a daddy that raised me right. I got a daddy that took me to church. I got a daddy that told me one time when I was going to go beat up somebody because I didn't like what happened when I was a teenager. And he said, son, we don't live like that. We don't live by them rules. Them are the world's rules. We live by a different set of rules, son. That's how my daddy raised me. And I ain't quitting until I shake his hand. Amen. Praise God.
So just trust God. Most of the things, you know, some of the things that come against us, we're able to do things about it. God will enable us and help us do things about it. Other things we can't do nothing about, we just trust God. And we believe that whatever, so you got to get to that point. If you're going to have peace, I'm talking about peace. I know trust is coming up a bit, but I'm really talking about peace. How are you going to have peace in the storms? You have to trust God. You have to get to a place in your life that no matter what you're facing, you know that God is greater than the storm. You know that his will is better than your will. Can you say amen to that? His will is better than your will. Can you pray and ask God for things and then end up and say, not my will, but thy will be done? That's where the peace is at. If you don't trust God in these situations, you'll have no peace. And yet Jesus came, and one of the things he said is that I give you my peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding of man. Think about that. Peace that doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's what it, you know, you're in a situation and, and people that are watching, especially the world that don't know Jesus, is wondering, why? How can this person have this so much peace in this situation? I'd be crazy in this situation. It's because we know Jesus. It's because we know where the peace comes from. It's his peace that I'm feeling. See, the peace that I'm talking about, it ain't my peace. I didn't give it to me. Jesus gave it to me. Amen? It's his peace. His peace that I live in. I count my blessings every day. I, I stop what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I stop and I just praise God and I just thank him for his blessings. Because, see, his blessings far outweigh kidney failure. His blessings far outweigh any financial difficulties you may face. And I stop daily several times a day, especially when I'm at Dallas because there's nothing else to do but sit there. <laughs> and I stop and I just thank God for the blessings. I'm thanking him that I have a wife who's put up with me for 51 years. I thank him that I have four children that won't hesitate to tell you that I'm the best daddy in the world, and I certainly am. <laughs> Daddies, you should feel the same way. I thank him for my grandchildren that tells me, you're the best papa in the world. My oldest granddaughter told me that, and I said, no, baby, I really appreciate that, but you know, you do have another grandfather. She said, I know, but you're the best. <laughs> I decided she was right. No argument there, brother. I count a blessing when my two-and-a-half-year-old great-granddaughter, Max, walks over to me and says, I love you, Papa. Well, actually, she said it this way. I love you, Papa. <laughs> I count it blessings when I look out and see a church family that I've been going worshiping God with for several years now. I count it a blessing to go and have dinner with friends that I've hung out with for over 50 years now. You see what I'm trying to get across to you? Jesus gives us peace, and in that peace... We see the blessings. We don't see the problems. Amen? Think about when Moses, and he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And as they come up, all of a sudden, at some point, Pharaoh decides, hey, wait a minute. There goes our workforce. We better go get them back. Now, they're in hot pursuit. And the Israelites come up against the Red Sea, and it's like, okay, what do we do now? And they started murmuring. And, I, you know, I just, every time I think of that story, I wonder, what is wrong with these people? 
God delivered them. He delivered them from slavery out of Egypt. He delivered them. He done all these different things that he's done for them all this time. And they, one little thing pops up and they start murmuring and complaining. And like, well, we should have just stayed in Egypt. At least we had food in Egypt. At least we wouldn't die. Now we're going to die out here. What did Moses do? Did he join them in that? No. Moses stood forth, stretched forth his rod. The sea split in the middle. And they walked over in dry land. That's what God does and gives you peace. All right? Gideon took 300 men, started out with, I don't know exactly how many. I know at one point when you read the story, it said that he told, God instructed him to tell anybody that was afraid or not comfortable with, with fighting, send them home. 20,000 warriors left, 20,000. And then God gave him some other tests, do this, if he does. And he whittled it down to an army of 300 and they were facing the Midianite army who had 135,000 warriors. That's not real good odds, is it? Unless you're on God's side. <laughs> okay, come on. Unless you're on God's side. 300 of Gideon's warriors, they went out and defeated an army of 135,000. See, they had peace because they knew God had spoke to them and told them what to do, and they had peace in that. They wasn't afraid. They wasn't scared. They wasn't sitting around crying. They wasn't sitting around saying, oh, me, tomorrow's going to be horrible. We're three, we're three, just 300 of us is going to go up against this mighty armor. They're going to kill us. No, they didn't do that. They were ready to go because God had spoke to them, and they had peace by trusting God. Praise God. Now, there's enough stories in the Bible. I'm just going to tell a couple more, but I could keep you here for a long time. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm really not a long-winded preacher. I believe 20, 25 minutes is enough. What about Daniel? King sets up a decree. Says you can't pray to God. Daniel don't care. Three times a day, praise to God. Amen. So he gets thrown in a lion's den. That's, I want you to think about that just for a moment. Somebody says, hey, you can't do this. You do it anyway. And they come to get you. And they're going to throw you in a lion's den. Daniel just said, okay. <laughs> I put my trust in God. God will see me through this thing. King comes the next morning. See, the king was actually a good friend of Daniel's. But he had to carry through his order, right? King comes that next morning. Daniel, are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Lions are all laying around. He's probably petting them. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I just what I kind of see him doing, you know, petting the lions. Nice kitty, you know. <laughs> Think about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar erupts this, erects this big statue. And when you hear the music play, everybody's got to fall down and worship. Not the three Hebrew children. They said, no, we're not going to do that. He started the music. Everybody there knelt down, worshipped this statue. Not, not, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king came and talked to them, explained to them, because, you know, he don't, he did, you know don't really, we don't really want to do this, so we're going to do it again. Do it again. They said, we're not bound to nobody. Nebuchadnezzar tells them, we're going to go and throw you in this fiery furnace if you don't do this. <laughs> I love this. They said, we don't care. Our God is able to deliver us. And if he doesn't deliver us, that's okay too. Threw him in the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar said, how many men did we throw? Well, didn't we throw three? 
He said, yes, we threw three. Well, I see four, and one of them looks like the Son of God. <laughs> they came out of that furnace. Their clothes wasn't burnt. They wasn't burnt. It's, the Bible says there was not even smoke smell on them. See, they went in with peace. So I'm talking about peace. I know, it's, you know I keep wanting to go somewhere else, I'll be honest with you. I'm talking about peace, but I keep wanting to kind of go a little further. But I'm talking about peace. How do you get peace in, in a situation like that? How do you find peace when you're thrown in a lion's den? How do you find peace when you're thrown in a furnace of fire? You find peace by trusting God. That's where you find peace. How do you want to live? Do you want to live in fear your whole life? Do you want to spend your life here on earth worried about everything, complaining about everything? I don't want to. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm going to live in an abundant life by trusting him and having peace. Everybody knows the story about Peter. Him and some others, other disciples were on the ship. They looked out. They saw Jesus walking on the water. First they thought it was a ghost. Jesus called out to him, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come and walk on the water. Peter did what a lot of us probably wouldn't do. I want you to think about the, you know, I preached a sermon on this years ago. Think about that first step off that boat. <laughs> he took that first step, and he's walking on the water, and he's, he's got his eyes on Jesus, and he's walking on the water. And all of a sudden, he starts looking around. He sees the wind, it says. He sees the waves. See, he took his eyes off of Jesus, started looking at all these things that were around him. And he lost faith. And he started to sink, and he had to reach out and say, help me, Jesus. See, that's where we lose our peace. I told you at the beginning of this sermon, we're going to have storms of life. Just if, if you're not in one right now, get batting down the hatches because one's coming. Because we all live, we're all going to live in these storms called life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If, if, if Peter would have kept his eyes on Jesus, he could have just, who knows, he could still be walking for all I know, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the circumstance. It's easy to look at the circumstance. Poor me, I got this. Poor me, I got that. Poor me, I don't have enough money. Poor me, my house ain't big enough. Poor me, my car's too old. I mean, we can go for, I can go for days with the poor me stuff. And all that does is make you miserable. I don't live a miserable life. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't live a miserable life. I live in the blessings of Jesus. I live life abundant that he gave me. I don't sit around and complain about these things. I give him praise and glory for the blessings that he has blessed me and my family with. And I'm going to tell you something. Me and my family are the most blessed family on earth, and you should feel the same way. Amen? So I'm going to, I told you I'm not a long-term long preacher. I don't preach a long time. I don't want to lose you is the reason I don't preach a long time. You'll get bored and you'll start thinking about other things. I'm going to keep your attention. But I'm going to go back to where I started, and I'm going to leave this sermon with the words of Jesus. Why do you fear? Where is your faith? Amen? Keep your faith. Keep your trust. You can live in the peace because it's his peace that he gives us. 
Pastor, thank you for allowing me to share this pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. God bless you all.